You're listening to the Sporting Heroes podcast. My name's Matt Jones and my guest in the studio uh, for this edition of the series is an absolute Everton legend. He won pretty much the lot during his time at Goodison Park and he was captain for a long stretch of that period as well. He went on to be a manager with the likes of Chester and Shrewsbury. It's a warm welcome to the studio to Kevin Ratcliffe. Afternoon, Matt. Uh, great to have you in. And uh, well, we'll talk about your career and your life before uh, we get on to your sporting hero. And uh, well, what a career you had. Yeah, well, it wasn't expected, I must admit, when you're uh, growing up in your aspirations to actually be a professional footballer. Um, you know, it, it exceeded a, a lot of things and what I actually anticipated, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And uh, it's amazing how, you know, from one minute, it's not looking too good to actually going on and, and winning things and not just winning things but captain in the club as well which is uh, you know it, it's always fortunate and unfortunate for other people sometimes uh, well let's go right back to the start then at, at what age did you begin to think I want to be a professional footballer and I want to play for Everton um, well it's, it, it's got to be as young as maybe eight or nine as far back as I can remember can't remember too much <laughs> but further back than that but I think you know once you start playing for your school, then you represent sort of your, your area, if it be county or whatever. At a, uh, there wasn't county football at that age, under 11s. But uh, yeah, I, I played for Deeside Primary Schools, which was like a big thing around our area that you, you had to play. If you if you were any good, you played for Deeside Primary <laughs> Schools, put it this way. And there's quite a few of us that have actually gone and played for Deeside Primary School, Rushy, Michael Owen, Barry Owen, Gary Speed, myself... There's a couple of other lads that, you know, Anthony Norman, who, who played for Hall and Sunderland, um, got a goalkeeper. Uh, so all around, you know, that's just to to mention a few. There's there's bound to be others that come and play for Chester, Wrexham and and that. But it was a quite a good footballing area, if you know mm. what I mean. And when did the call come then to to first go and train with Everton? Well, that's something that maybe I can't answer because I think. They were after me well before I actually went because I think my dad sort of sheltered me from everything. Um, Burnley were interested, Man City, Tottenham. Um, I went to Man City, went to Tottenham, just didn't like it uh, at all, never felt me. The only the only place I felt welcome and really wanted was Chester. Um, and that was because there was a guy called Cliff Sear um, and he had a great youth set up, good kids, good banter. And um, I played for them a few times, but also played for Everton. And they both come in for me. Um, and really, Chester offering me an opportunity to play first-team football before I was 17. Um, but you were just another guy at Everton. Um, once again, I went in, like the banter, like the lads. And, um, yeah, when you when you grow up as an Evertonian, it's hard you know, to choose something like Chester, no disrespect to Chester. But it's hard to turn them down when you've got the facilities on one hand and blatantly near enough no, nothing, uh, as in facility-wise, in a, a, a Chester. But Everton, you know, which we, in them days was state-of-the-art, you know, Belfield. Mm. You know, it's was, it was better than anybody else's training ground. But obviously years go on and then it's, it gets tired, like <laughs> anything else. Um, so it was just a... Yeah, because you show me the contract, let me go and uh, give it my best shot. And kind of the rest is history uh, because you did go on to win uh, so much during your time at Everton. You captained the club as well. Uh, but what was it like walking out wearing the shirt for the first time as an Evertonian? Yeah, well, you know, not ex- it wasn't expected. 
Um, actually going away, Manchester United uh, on a Tuesday night and uh, sort of in the room uh, preparing. And I wasn't really preparing as you would do for a match because I didn't think I was going to be playing. I actually thought I was going for the experience like they used to take a couple of the lads, mm. young pros, just to give them that experience and the feeling that it's not alien to you when you do actually make your debut. Um, and I think I'd been to Norwich before um, and I thought I might have had an opportunity of being a, a sub or but just missed out because there was only one sub them days um, and then the Man United game I think it was John Gidman got injured uh, or was ill before the game right back so Billy Wright centre back moved to right back and I moved in at centre back with Met Lions and uh, yeah, you know when, you, when you're playing against Man United at Man United in any any era was very difficult but uh yeah, I, I thought I handled it pretty well. I'm sure you yeah. did. It's Radio City Talk, Everton legend. Uh, Kevin Ratcliffe is in the studio picking his sporting hero. Uh, so from then on, you make yourself uh, kind of a mainstay of the Everton team and uh, you are part of the most famous and most yeah, successful it, it team of go, all time. It didn't go as well as <laughs> that you've just made it out to be. You, there's ups and downs and in and outs of the teams <clears throat> and transfer requests going in mm. because I'm not getting the opportunity because they moved me from centre-back to left-back. Wasn't comfortable. Wasn't confident enough on the ball, I would have said, in them days, in that position. Um, when I went back there in my latter days at Everton, I, I actually quite enjoyed it because I think I was more confident and uh, and everything. But I did have a little bit of uh, problems trying to get, make it at the left-back position and uh, I asked to, to get away and... Like I said, as as far as I know, I'm still on the transfer list. But uh, you know, it, it just happened overnight that I, I got an opportunity again, a couple of times. But uh, I think the main one was Ipswich away, where I I got given an opportunity. And I always say you've got to take it. And if you don't take that opportunity, you know, for uh, being looking at young kids now at 20 years of age, then 19 years of age, you've you've got to take it open arms if you don't take it that chance is gone and it's all about sometimes first impressions and obviously my first impression against Man United second game against West Ham in the cup in the semi-final of the cup at Ellen Road even though we lost I thought I'd handled myself pretty well so you've obviously then thrown that into the manager's thoughts that if there's ever a problem but the problem that Howard had when he come in was that uh, me and Mark Higgins were, were two left footers um, and he didn't like two left-footed centre-backs for some reason, but he played two right-back, two right-footed centre-backs, which I kept telling him time and time <laughs> again. Um, but it must have turned on deaf ears until he was actually, maybe, I think, forced into it. And like anything, as a player, as a manager, you, you fall lucky. Um, a lot of Evertonians have kind of been able to relive this era recently because you were part of uh, that mm. Howard's Way film that came yeah. out and it, it kind of showed a, a loss away from football as well as the footballing side of things. So what was it like away from the, the football field at that time? Um, it, look, it was a it was a dark times really, um, unless you were a footballer <clears throat> or a supporter because times are hard. You know, you, you've got the miners striking everything and... You know, riots, and this and the other. I think football was an escape, and the the greatest thing for us in this city is we, you know, it turned into be two teams, come, you know, fighting for the league title. Um, and I think that brought the city a little bit of happiness, uh, and I think the music as well. You know, it was mentioned in the DVD that uh, 
you know, the, the film that's, you know, the, the music was inspirational as well. And it was a great time to be sort of part of Liverpool with the bands that were coming through, the football that was being played, the trophies that were being won. Um, and, you know, s- some of the songs, you know, people will, you know, e- even young kids these days will still relate to the Frankie Goes to Hollywoods and mm. Dead Alive's and whatever you, Flock of Seagulls. They, they, you know, the they time and time, they, you'll be throwing stuff, Echo and the Bunnymen, they'll all be coming out um, of that era in the 80s, which I, I just, I mean, I still have 80s music on now. I'm stuck <laughs> in that time warp. Um, which of the trophies that you won uh, during your time at Everton means the most? I, I would say the FA Cup, the first one. Um, I know it doesn't mean as much now as what it did, um, back in the day in, in what certain things are being done <laughs> teams being picked managers not turning up to watch a game <laughs> um, yeah it it was it was a big trophy to win and that to be our first trophy um, and it's quite true you know you get a taste of success and you want more so it's it, it, was, it was nice to get that under your belt your first one um, hey, if it was the milk cup a couple of months earlier, it might have been the Milk Cup that was the, the, the or the, you know, winning the league. I mean, winning a league was just, you know, surpassing really anything you actually dreamed of because, you know, for us to come a long way in a short period of time, um, c- competing with the Liverpool side of the 80s, which was a fantastic side, and for us to be on a, a level term for them for a number of years was a, a massive achievement. Um, because everybody used to say, "What do you want to do? What's your what's your ambition uh, this season?" And it was to finish above Liverpool. And they were, well, that's a funny ambition. He said, "Yeah, but if we do, we we win the league." <laughs> you know that that's what it was like. Absolutely. What was it like climbing the Wembley steps to lift a trophy? Well, once again, it's uh, it's something that you, you know you used to play. Like, what was it called? The FA Cup, didn't it? On a on a pitch with your mates and everything, and then to go. Go there and your mates are watching you and my brother and me my dad and my family to go and watch you. Um was just and I didn't know until maybe about five or six years later that I was the actually the last person to go up the original steps, and I think there were thirty nine steps. Um and lift the trophy because of after that there was a bit of a security because of the conflict with um in Ireland. There were safety reasons he brought the the box a little bit further down to the pitch. I don't know why, but uh, apparently so. But uh, that's a nice thing to have because uh, I, I won't lose that. <laughs> um, you can lose uh, being the most successful skipper, uh, but you, you can't take that one away from me. It was the last person to work up the, the 39 steps. We, we could go on and on and on about your career because you go on to play for Chester, of course, at one of your local clubs. You manage them, you manage mm. Shrewsbury. Uh, you play for Wales as well, which must have been a huge honour too. I had two ambitions in life, to play for Everton Football Club and play for Wales. Um, I didn't have an ambition to captain either of them. I think that just comes along. Um, and it's never, ever your decision. It's somebody else's decision. And uh, first, when I got the captaincy for Everton, was in a, a friendly game up in Dundee, or Dundee United. And uh, Mark Higgins was out, a little bit of an injury. And Howard said, lead him out, Kev. And I'm looking around the room. Peter Reeds and Dave Johnsons <laughs> and Mickey Walshers, who were all four or five years older than me. Um, and it, it was just an honour. You go out there, and you, you, but you go around saying, why me? And then exactly the same for, for Wales. I'm 20, 
22, 23, something like that. And up in Scotland, Graeme Souness is the, the captain of, of Scotland. And he, you know, same again, you know. Mike England says, uh, hey, Kev, you're going to be captain. And I look at Robbie James, I look at uh, Joey Jones, Mickey Thomas, and Leighton Phillips. And, you know, lads who are, I mean, maybe they were coming to the end of their careers, except for Robbie James, maybe, Alan Curtis, all, you know, a lot older than where I was. But, um, you know, it's uh, it was just, you, you stand back a little bit and thinking, oh, how do I do this? You don't get taught how to do it. <laughs> it just, it's, you know, I think people, it's in your makeup, you know, that you're going to be a captain or not. Um, uh, you know, so it's, it's certain things, other things off the field as well, I suppose, and the discipline side of it as well comes in. Absolutely right. Let's get on to your sporting hero then. Um, when you were growing up, but I'm sure there were plenty of idols. Is it an Evertonian that you're going to go for? Well, it's funny, you know, you, you look at people from my era and talk about sporting idols. A, a lot of them would go for Muhammad Ali. You know, um, unbelievable, most probably, for me, best boxer I've, I've ever seen. Um, if he'd be a heavyweight now, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but uh, as in a footballing term, it was, you know, because I'm a, I was a bl- born up a blue, brought up a blue, Alan Ball, every day, all day. Um you know, it, it just epitified what a footballer should be, you know, and uh, go out there and give 100% every game, if not. Because that's the one thing that you can do as a footballer. You don't have to be good enough, but you can always give 100%. And that's what really sort of knocks me sometimes. Mm. That, uh, you know, when you're a 100% player, that not to give 100%, because that's the first thing you should be doing anyway. If you're having a bad game or a, or, a, or a good game, it's that 100% that you should be giving every game. Everything you've got, you should be giving. What was it like to watch him play then? Well, watch him play, but also actually say that I've been tattled by him as well and, <laughs> and, and caught a right beauty. <laughs> um, good player. I mean, coming to the end of his career, uh, playing for Southampton, and we played against him at uh, Goodison Park. And look... Clever player, one-touch player, play balls around corners that you didn't even see. Um, you could just couldn't get near the the guy. Um, and like I said, it was it, it was great to be on a field with one of you, you know one of your idols, but uh, the the one that was the, the top uh, of your tree. When you have grown up watching someone, then and then you actually come face to face with them in a professional capacity, is that quite daunting? Um, no, I think I got to that stage where. You know things were happening. Then um, no, uh, the only time he, football on the pitch is completely different mm. than if you're actually meeting him in public. And I met him a few years later in the Holiday Inn, the old Holiday Inn, where um, uh, Liverpool One is now. And uh, it was a dinner, and we we sat down afterwards. There was a, about four or five of us, and we just sat down and talking, you know, about football and the world. <laughs> Um, and that was a little bit more nerve-wracking, actually breaking that silence between the two of you to actually introduce yourself, or you know, and it, well, you know, it was a it was a big thing to me that um, when I met him, they actually knew who I was, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing when you meet an idol for him to know who you are, then that that's even nicer. Oh, it certainly is, and, and he's someone who had lifted those trophies that you would go on to lift later mm. on uh, during your career as well, which must be a special thing to you as well. Yeah, I mean, like I say, from uh, I, w- I would say from a November in '83 to I think about eighty eight, eighty nine. It just happened so quick, you know, from being a bottom six side 
um, in that 83 season, 84, to a top six side in a matter of a couple of months, you know, from just before Christmas to May. Um, and we've ended up in two cup finals. You just you just sort of look back. I mean, a lot, I spoke to somebody the other night and he says, you know, you, you, you're getting up to that 60 years of age. Where did from 40 to 55 go all of a sudden? It's just disappeared. And that's what it was like. And somebody, Joey Jones always said to me that when you uh, when you go to, uh, enjoy it as much as you can, can because uh, it just goes so fast. And, he, and he's right. He's dead right that that period just flew by. Um, and it's nice now that everybody's talking about it. Mm. Certainly is. A great time. Uh, a great career that you've had as well. Just before I let you go, one more thing. When you did meet Alan Ball, did he ever give you any advice or anything of, of how... Uh, you could maybe handle being Everton captain or maybe no, how you were playing? No, no, didn't. Um, it was just great to talk to him. It, it was great in that capacity um, to actually talk to him, actually listening to him speak and the passion that he showed for the game and the love um, for his father. Um, it, it was just it was just a nice experience for me because you don't often do that. You don't often, hmm. if at all, meet your idols, especially in football. Um, because obviously when you're, you've you got an idol, he's playing and you're growing up. Um, and then when you've sort of making it, he's most probably finished. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was just a, a great experience and, you know, to be in that company with him, but also a great experience to be at Everton Football Club for them, you know, good years. Absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, to have you in the studio, Kevin. Uh, so mm. thank you so much for, for picking at your sporting hero, uh, the great Alan Ball, and for sharing your memories with us as well. No problem. Footballing royalty in the shape of Kevin Ratcliffe on the Sporting Heroes podcast this week. My name's Matt Jones. If you hit the subscribe button, you'll get a brand new one in your box every week. And also, you can go back and listen to some of the great ones that I've done in the past with the likes of Martin Murray, Jamie Carragher and many, many more.